Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crip, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, August 18th, 2014. And for the next two weeks, we'll be taking a little walk down memory lane with some of the coolest projects that you help fund. On this day in history, in 1987, Dirty Dancing opened in theaters across the United States. Its soundtrack included the song, I've Had the Time of My Life, which won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. And up first, let's start the show off with Michelle Hebert. Hello, my name is Michelle Hebert. I'm an artist and fashion designer. I've wanted to be an artist since I was a little kid and, you know, around the age of 10, I decided I wanted to get into clothing design. Michelle, welcome to to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thank you for having me. You know, a lot of your clothes that I saw in the video, it looks like they're falling off people. Some of my dresses are very, you know, conventional evening pieces, but for the pieces that I, I guess I have a little bit more, say... I guess room to experiment. I kind of like the idea of clothes that look like they are part of the person. Like it's not, they aren't two separate things. They're, I guess, one whole entity. And so like with the bird dress, I use this sheer mesh around her arms. And so I wanted it to look like there's actually feathers coming out of her skin. You know, that kind of style. I I know, I like it. (laughs) I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying... To be honest, I'm not used to fancy things, high fashion, you know, stuff like that. And and you're Uh kind of in that, I guess, couture type of world or whatever. That's kind of the direction it has gone in. I do consider myself a luxury brand. That's funny for a woman to say that. I do consider myself a luxury brand. Now, that is funny. (laughs) That is funny. I mean, with the whole, with my brand and who I am, it's like, it's almost become one entity too. So it's like, uh, I don't even distinguish them anymore. I mean, right now I look, I'm very, I'm at home right now, so I'm not all dressed up. But my work is in the luxury market. I mean, my dresses, they tend to run from minimum 500 and then upwards of a thousand or more. If I were to cost some of them out, like my, my twig dress, that one after I cost it out because of all the labor, it comes out to about like 23000 It's really like, it's almost too ridiculous. So I just kind of keep it as an art piece opposed to like try right. and sell it. <laughs> right, right. I guess if and when or when and if you move to L.A. or you become bigger, your name becomes bigger. I guess you can actually sell pieces like that. And Yeah. Yeah. yeah right now. Yeah. Right now it's not. <laughs> right. I'm just a 22 year old. So I'm still kind of I'm trying to build that credibility. I think I understand but is it fair if I would call you a boutique creation? You know, like you create dresses that would go in possibly boutiques, you know, they're, they're like limited editions. They're the things oh. that, you know, like maybe celebrities would wear or if you're going to a very formal event or something like that and you just want to stand out is could I classify you in that vein? My evening wear, they're all one of a kind as well. Those are a lot more wearable than like dress made of twigs. And I could, I've had some pieces actually go to award ceremonies, right. things like that. So when you talk about twigs and stuff like that, I always think, <laughs> I always think Lady Gaga. I mean, that's the only person I think, uh, you know, that, yeah. that's all. But 
That's not the. Yeah. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. But oh no, no. I, I honestly like kind of think the same thing. Like I'm. I always like. I'm like, man, who else would wear this? Aside from like all these interesting photo shoots, it's there's not much else you can do with it besides performance or you know some crazy act. So I totally understand. Okay, now when I'm thinking crazy, and I'm thinking young, and I'm thinking not established yet, I'm thinking parents must think crazy. Well, my parents have always been really supportive, which is I'm really fortunate to have. But they, there was a point where they were trying to have me go down a more practical route, like you know, nursing or right. lawyer, something like that. You know, just it's a safe practice. And even though I knew that you know they just wanted the best for me, I'm really stubborn. So I just like was like, okay, sure. Like I, I would like let them talk to me and say all all they wanted to. But in the end, I was the one who was determining where I was going to go. And so I just kept doing things the way I had wanted to. Did you have older parents, so it was maybe it was easier to wear them down? You just had to outlast them. <laughs> um, kind of. They are a little bit older. My dad's, yeah, a little okay. bit. But right. you don't have to <laughs> disclose ages. I just yeah. Trust me, though, they were totally supportive. It was like yes, they, after they, you yeah. wore them down, you just admitted. No, no, don't no. change the story. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean. When I would draw as a kid, they're always encouraging me. They always gave me more, like all the art stuff I wanted. They just kind of thought it was more of a hobby. I guess that's what it was. Like they didn't want to stop me, but they they just wanted to make sure I had a secure future. But now it's good. It's good. You do know that all children draw and all parents thrust paper and crayons <laughs> and pen in front of their children. Well, chair. they kept doing. Uh, I don't know. Well. Okay. All right. I mean, I buy a couple of packs of paper a month from Walmart for my kids, and they burn through it. You know, they're still burning through it every month. Okay. <laughs> but um, okay. I watched your video, I say that to everybody. But the thing about your video, the reason I called you or reached out to you was because of your video. It was like, I don't I don't know you or anything. You know, you're not this celebrity yet that I can say, oh my gosh, I love you, you work, <laughs> you know? So it's not yeah. like I know you in that sort of celebrity way, but it was like all the people you had on your video, they were like, oh, Michelle, oh my <laughs> gosh, if you could just know. I mean, she's the sweet, I mean, and her vision, and, and oh my <laughs> gosh, she's really, and I was like, by the time the video was like halfway or, I was like, well, I don't care if this girl is in leaves and this other girl has got branches and stuff. I'm, I was like clapping for you, rooting for you. I was like, I want Michelle to make it. Oh my God, I wish she could make it, man. It was like a movie Aww. or something, an inspirational movie. So whomever did your video, you should thank them, man, because that was way cool. Thank you so much for saying that. That's awesome to hear. But um, yeah, I have to thank the cinematographer, Devin Shiro, so much because he's incredible at what he does. And Oh yeah, great cinematography, true. true. Yeah. yeah. He brings out the best in whatever he films and he knows how to, he knows how to tell someone's story or he knows how to, to edit together scenes to that. You know, it really, it just makes you feel like how, I guess, we felt or how he feels. It's like, it's very, I don't I consider him an artist as well. It's not just, you know, a talent he has. I think he's, he's right. got a real knack for it, so. Right, yeah. so he's kind of like you, like they were talking about in the video. Because they were like, oh my gosh. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. They're like, if you don't get her now, you never, oh my gosh, by the time she, a few more people, you'll never be able to talk to her. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> 
remember that being said in the video. I know, but it was it was pretty much that's pretty much what they said. I mean, if I if I spin it all together, that's pretty much what I believe. In. You know, that's the impression that I got. Oh my God! If I don't catch it now, I'll never. You know, that's like <laughs> uh, okay, I will definitely thank Devin and everyone. No, everyone in that video, they're all amazing as well. I mean, I think everyone in the video deserves their own video too. I mean, I can't. I oh, you're know. that big now that everybody deserves their own no! spinoff. No. You just said uh, that, that that everyone deserves their own spinoff now. <laughs> See, you, I'm catching. But See? for them, for them, not because of me. They, oh my gosh, they're the the photographers in that video. They're actually they got huge followings. Like, oh my gosh, like Brooke, she has maybe a hundred thousand followers on Facebook, and yeah. Alex, he has like eighty thousand. I'm just like oh my gosh I don't know how people how people find them I mean they're talented they're amazingly talented but man they have a they have an amazing following that's really cool I wonder how you got them <laughs> no, I was so fortunate because Alex contacted me I was the fortunate one I was like oh my gosh like he believed in my work and from there on it was just I just I'm the fortunate one I'm the fortunate one that's what I'm saying <laughs> i'm like this story has got to flip somehow i was like Geez. dude i'm happy for you that you have so many people who who are on the cusp or who've already arrived or whatever and they're pulling you up i mean that must be a very cool feeling for someone at your stage man i mean that's incredible yeah no i'm so grateful that just how much they believe in my work it's like it, it always amazes me and I, I don't even know how to tell people how grateful I am for all the support and encouragement they've given me. Now let's say I've joked around, I've ruined all your time, I've ruined your interview and all that. <laughs> what message would you like to get out about yourself that maybe I haven't asked? This is really important to me. It's not just, you know, it's not just some passing fancy. I mean, I honestly feel like what I'm doing now is the culmination of my entire life. I know I'm only 22, but that's, that's still quite a few years. I mean, <laughs> sort of. No, it's a, it's it, enough. It's, eno it's, it's a enough. start. Yes. It's a start. But, you know, I've devoted so much time to this. I mean, if you were to ask anyone that's known me, they... They always know what I'm about. It's never been a question of, oh, like, what does Michelle do? It's always like, oh, Michelle's the one who, like, she draws or she's into art or she's the one who's into fashion and all that. And I am very passionate about this. I mean, and I really want to have the opportunity to create more. I don't I don't really see myself doing anything else. I, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't really believe in a plan B. And it's a very reckless way of living, I suppose. But at the same time, it's just, I don't know. I believe if you keep pushing yourself and you go with plan A, it's just a matter of time, I guess, you know, when your turn comes, it's just all about continuously pursuing it, putting in the effort, the drive, the passion, all that. And if this Kickstarter succeeds, it would mean so much to me. Like it would, I mean, I know what I would do. I do everything the Kickstarter says I would do, but I, at the same time, I know I would just, it would just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so much closer like to that dream. I mean, I feel like I've been inching my way there, but just this big push. No. It's a bummer that you have to sometimes rely on money to get to where you want to go. But, you know, in this instance, I just need a little help and I don't know, I can achieve what I've always wanted. I've always what I've always seen for myself, so... I'm happy that you used the word bummer, though. That's cool. <laughs> that lets me know that you're not too far gone. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> yes, I'm still on Earth. I'm here. Right. <laughs> For anyone out there who's listening, I tried my best to to get her story across, to sculpt her dream, and I hope that maybe you felt some of that. So go to Kickstarter.com and check out Art and Fashion by Michelle Aber. And if you can't find it there, we'll provide links at djgrandpa.com. Michelle, thank you very much. And uh, I wish you the best always. And you and your family, take care. Thank you. You too. I wish you the best as well. I wanted to create the first product from the environment for the environment. A product that would capture the efficiency, the nutrients, the purity, and the energy of these incredible places and deliver it to you. After four years, it's finally ready. We call it Treason. It will change the way you look at bottled water forever. I mean, we've gotten some good press, mm-hmm. but I guess there's other guys that are like, oh, well, you know, we're not going to condone bottled water. Right. I don't even know how you can make that choice. What is that? Once America was hooked on having to pay for water outside of their homes, at the gas station, at the 7 everywhere, what is the alternative now? There isn't. That's why I think it's a crazy thing. I mean, it's totally insane to me that some of these environmental publications are like, you know, I mean, it's not going away. It's been 30 years of recycling. You know, nothing is really changing. If anything, the numbers are growing. The alternative is our bottle, which is plant-based. But the reason why these folks, they got their panties in a bunch, is because their whole approach is they live in places like where I grew up where they have the luxury of saying, okay, I'm not going to use bottled water. I'm going to use this uber little refillable canteen, and I'm going to go do my thing all day long. And that's their reality. Unfortunately, all the other folks don't have that reality. You believe that the people who are giving you the most problems, as far as the environmental thing that you're still using bottles, is that they have refillable ones, and their water supply isn't tainted because they have a better quality of life because of the places they live so they can just refill theirs from regular sources and most people cannot which is a difference but you can't give somebody like me or somebody who's in a you know any other place where they can't drink the tap water or somebody who's in a developing country in central or south america where they don't have access to water it's not a solution and that's the problem it's a solution that works and it's not really a solution it's a choice that works for a very limited, you know, minority of folks in the United States of America and around the world. Our goal is to give all the other folks a better choice that they can, you know, still get great water and still do good stuff at the same time, but help kind of start to turn the tide on on the trash and put their bottles to good use. I saw that they had a city about three weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago, that their water table was polluted by a factory. And I guess FEMA, the government, they've been shipping in bottled water. There was a chemical spill there. Right. But now all the fracking stuff, I mean, is part of the reason why you can't drink the water in Texas. Okay, well, what makes your bottled water different, man? Because that's the basic question everybody's going to ask. First off, we are natural spring water, and because of the way that we filter it, we've got more of the nutrients and good stuff that's actually in spring water left in the water. Most of the water that you have is vapor distilled or purified that it goes through the tap. And when they're cleaning it, they all call it pure. They call it these, they use these terms that are kind of crazy terms if you think about it, because if you think about pure, 
that means that it's coming right out of the hole where the water comes from. Right. But really what they do is they clean it. So they take out all the bad stuff so it tastes okay to drink and so it's clear so it doesn't look all fuzzy. And then what you're left with is really something that, unfortunately, when they take out the bad stuff, they also take out a lot of the good stuff. So you're left with this stuff that's kind of devoid of all those original natural nutrients and ingredients that natural spring water has. So our whole quest was to basically take it back to the source, to figure out how to give you that piece as if you're actually sticking your hand in the spring and getting that natural spring water. So our process of purifying it actually is just like the rainforest does through the actual rainforest canopy. And then we also, in addition, add back a couple of the nutrients that are normally lost in purification and transport and other things. And in addition, we add in oxygen to give you some of that rainforest energy. The second part is that a lot of people don't have the option of drinking tap water. I mean, like me, I'm in Houston. There's guys up the road in Fort Worth that we talked about yesterday that you can put a match at the tap and it will catch fire right now. I mean, that's crazy. That's amazing, man. <laughs> I only hear good stuff about Texas, man. So I'm shocked at you telling me this story. It's not just Texas. I mean, this is happening all over the country. When you look at stuff, the majority of places across the country, you don't want to drink the water out of the tap. The places where you do, they're normally really affluent, nice, beautiful places. I saw in your video that it spoke of the majority of bottled water bottles were made, you know, said petroleum products and XYZ, harder to recycle. You talked about the garbage wastelands that I keep hearing that are on the oceans and stuff. Actually, to tell you the truth, man, I kind of ignore most of that stuff. Because when I hear, no, no, I mean, maybe it is the ostrich thing sticking your head in the sand, but those environmental reports are so horrible to listen to. It makes it sound as though we're in a country that's much worse off than I'd like to believe. Our bottle is made 100% plant-based. It's a different composition than everything else. So it's good for you as far as, you know, when you're drinking it, which is the other thing. But in addition, in case it ends up where it shouldn't, then it'll be okay. So when you're done with our bottle, you basically squish it down flat. You peel off the label and you can stick it in any... U.S. box across the country. You can return them in bulk, but they come back to us and we use them to make clean energy. You spoke of if they didn't purify the water the, the way they do, you know, I almost feel like you were almost saying like pasteurization, even though that's for milk and stuff like that. But why is your water clear? Or is your water clear if you don't do the pasteurization in XYZ? Our water absolutely is clear, but it's because it's natural spring water. If you go and you look on the back of the majority of water bottles out there today, right? and you see where the water is coming from, you'll find that many of them are coming from municipal water sources, and they're just sticking it in a bottle. Right. And the other ones are actually vapor distilled. So that water could be coming from anywhere, and they've basically steamed it and gotten rid of all the stuff out of it. Okay. You can actually put water, you can go to your tap, and if you have a dog, you can go and put tap water on the floor, put it in one bowl, and then go put natural spring water in the other and see which one picks or she picks. And I guarantee you that your dog will pick the natural spring water every time. Are you saying that if I take your bottle of water on the right hand, okay, and 
yeah. at Vani or whatever, Coca-Cola's brand of bottled water on the left hand, and I pour one in a dog bowl, and I pour yours in the other dog bowl, that my dog will choose yours hands down. I'm saying you pick your tap water, right? Okay. It comes out of the tap in your house. Right. You put it in the bowl on the left. Right. You put ours in the bowl on your right, and you let your dog decide, and they will naturally pick the one that is pure and just like the source which would be the natural spring water, which would be ours. A lot of people don't think about, okay, you know, I turn on the tap and water comes out of it. You just think, okay, I'm, you know, I'm happy the water is coming out and it's not coming out or it's not coming out this way or that way. You know, they don't think about, okay, well, where did that water come from? We don't want to think about, (laughs) come on. That's a given. You have to think about that stuff in order to understand what's going in you. Does this process make your water more expensive than the vapor distilled water? No, we're actually right in line with other comparable products. Is there anything that you feel I've cheated you out of, a question that I should have asked, that I didn't ask, something that you have to get out there before I wrap? Um, I mean, the only other part that I we didn't talk about is the tree. You know, the other thing with with the trees and, and maybe the app, the other thing with, with our products and what a lot of these guys don't kind of get is my goal was to make a system that actually was cradle to cradle and complete. We weren't just trying to give you the first option, which is you know, a better option for bottled water, but I wanted to help have it actually help solve the bigger problem, which the bigger problem is that the natural water sources for these guys around the world, wherever we are, are being polluted. And ultimately, that's what you have to fix. You have to restore that stuff. You have to plant trees. You have to get rid of the trash. You have to get rid of the pollutants. You have to start to value and care about the environment and rebuild those places so that everybody can actually start to get that water because that's the perfect solution. I mean, that's ultimately, you know, before the bottled water, before all this other stuff is to bring back that component as close as possible. And that's why we plant one tree for every bottle, because we want to help give back and actually get rid of this cycle that is a cycle that is kind of creating the issues. So we developed this app, which shows you it all. So when you're done with your bottle, you peel off the label, you scan it with your phone, it's registered in, you can actually track it back to us. You can see how much energy you help create. And then once you've done that, you can pull down a tree that you help plant. You can put your name on it. You'll get a picture of it. You'll get the GPS coordinate. And in three months, you'll get an update. You can actually watch it grow. You can see it all on your funnel, which to me is, you know, ultimately all these different things. It's like you got to be able to see, okay, show me the proof. My last question <laughs> Does this water, because I, I go to my grandma's house, right? I remember these men going to my grandma's house, and they have well water. And I drink their water, and she's like... DJ Grandpa is over at Grandma's house. Right, 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 right. This is, this is before I was DJ Grandpa. I was like, I was like, Grandma, this is the best water I've ever... I love water. It's my number one favorite drink. I love water. Now, on the flip side, I've gone into stores like 7-Eleven and stuff like that, and I've gotten water where they say it's flavored or something. It's the worst tasting stuff in the world, man. Horrible. Does your water taste like water now? Not flavored or anything? You pick it up, you drink it, I guarantee you won't go back. And for anyone out there, 
You've gotten an earful. Carlton's told you a lot. I've been a little ornery towards Carlton, but there, there was no malice involved at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was all good. It was all good. You got to tell it like it is. Hey, what are the questions? What is it? What does it do? How did it work? You know, I mean, that's, we just need a little bit of, you know, a little... And he's basically saying that he could use some help on Kickstarter, and that is true. So go to kickstarter.com and check out Treason, just like a regular tree, T-R-E-E-S-O-N, the bottle that can save the planet. Totally cool, man. Totally cool. And, and thank you very much for giving me a chance to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Remember, we are the crowdfunding channel. And we cover the globe. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ola, and I'm in a band from Seattle called Hawkins Squad. We make analog-style experimental pop music. This is Johnny. He plays most of the instruments and does all you the recording. You guys waiting for me? Okay, yeah, sorry. We're good to go. Yeah, but my name is Ola. I don't know how you guys sound, except for some recordings and stuff. It could have been all studio magic. Yeah, I use a lot of auto-tune on my voice. <laughs> it's industry-wide, industry-wide. You know, I have a stereotype, and my stereotype is only the coolest bands come from Seattle. That could be true. I'm believing it's true, man. I mean, since ever I was a kid or in college, whatever, it was just always Seattle with the coolest bands, man. And how can you guys have that moniker for, like, I mean, it's been at least 30 years, man. You guys just keep coming up with the with the hits, man. And what was up with that drug-induced video on Kickstarter? Whose idea was that? Uh, <laughs> that was my idea. I think some of my drug use in high school uh, came back and haunted me on that one. Not Ola, huh? She just went along with me. It's, it's her fault for letting me do it, but... Uh... She was definitely a willful participant. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she... I mean, I... She checks me on that stuff. She makes sure that my ideas aren't too dumb. It wasn't dumb. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was just weirdo, man. Freakish, even. The guy who helped us do the video, he was like, is this going to work, the whole voice swapping thing and all that? And I was like, yeah, it'll probably be fine. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> the voice swapping thing. Now, it was freakish to hear her voice coming out of your mouth, but... But, I mean, it was still ingenious. Matter of fact, this is like the second week in a row, man. You guys get a DJ Grandpa Kickstarter video award. <laughs> it was that great. But I mean, it's still freakish, so it's not like you guys could go mainstream on the video. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to go mainstream yet, but uh, maybe the next Kickstarter will be to make some more Kickstarter videos or something. Yeah. No, but you guys influence the mainstream. That's what's important. <laughs> That's what I'm about. I'm not about necessarily pop or the mainstream, even if I play it. I'm about influencing the mainstream, giving them something else yeah. to look at. Well, I'd say we're influenced by the mainstream, too. Definitely. Well, that, too. Yeah, it goes both yeah, ways. Yeah. But they yeah. need us. They need us. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. definitely. Because if you left it up to them, they'd have the same six songs or ten songs playing all day long every day. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. You're out there for a reason. You're still embracing the public in some sort of way or fashion if you're out there doing all of this. So, I mean, what are your dreams? How big do you want to be? I think I just want to keep making music, but I also want to become a better performer, I think, is my main 
kind of goal right now, especially with music, is just to to get better at performing, to be better at right. presenting our music, you know, live and that sort of thing. I mean, do you suck now? I kind of suck. Yeah, I would say I kind of suck. <laughs> oh, that's sad, man. No, no, I don't suck. Okay, I shouldn't say that. I think it's more like a. <laughs> I mean, if you do, it's okay. It's okay to be modest or honest. You know, I mean, dude, there have been there have been bands back in the day that totally sucked. They couldn't play their instruments. They couldn't do anything. But by the time they went on the road and performed, and night after night after a while, they became good. So there's hope for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that you know we're pretty hard on ourselves with that kind、yeah. of thing, and、uh, we tend to focus on recordings a lot. Right. So we might get rusty while we're in the studio. Like we're going to be playing our first show in almost two years、wow. coming up, but we know our stuff. I mean, we've been doing this for a while, and、yeah. and、uh, what we would consider sucking or whatever、uh, maybe is、uh, <laughs> we might be being a little hard on ourselves because when we go to shows, we're like, how how are these people on stage right now? I mean, it's okay to be a loser band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's derogatory, but I don't mean it in a derogatory. There's no malice involved. Right. Yeah. It's like me, DJ Grandpa. Everything I start at, everything I do, I suck at it at the、oh, beginning.、Yeah. But I want to win more than I want to lose, so I keep doing.、It. Actually, going back to your original question, that kind of gets to what my answer would be, which is that the whole point of what Cockenswan has always been, whether we planned it out or not, is. To kind of show our work in progress, like we're not necessarily interested in being really successful as much as being sustainable and being able to show people the new things that we've learned. Every record we've done has been kind of a new thing we've learned.、Right. Like this one is kind of more about Ola coming out and doing her vocals, and me kind of backing off instrumental-wise. And、uh, I mean, I think this record has probably like four times as many lyrics as any of our other records. Mm-hmm. I have as many lyrics as all of our other records combined. We find a couple of tricks, and then we do that in a batch of songs, and then, and yeah, and then we move on. What's your new record called? It's called、uh, Secret Angles. All right, and how many records have you done total? You know, like EP, album, stuff like that. This is fourth album, and then we did a couple of self-released EPs too. How long have you been together?、Uh, just about ten years. Okay, now so I don't get the genre of your music wrong or the style of your music wrong. How would you describe yourselves? You're the alternative to the alternative, whichever. I mean, what are you guys? I think we've kind of started to use the term like experimental pop music, or some people say like dream pop. I mean, I think usually when people say dream pop. I think maybe we're a little more like weird than a lot of other bands in that genre. But I think that's a pretty good. Label. We've seen the word "goth" bandied about more than we were expecting,、right. but I think there might be some relation to that whole Oster Witch Housey stuff that was going around for a little while.、Um, that kind of darker stuff. You mean the Wiccan I, I, type stuff? <laughs> yeah, I guess there's like some kind of weird parallel to the occulty,、uh, darker pop music. Do you guys use like Ouija boards and? Actually, our little magic totem is a is an old psychology textbook from the '50s that I got from an abandoned house. In high school. Oh, that's cool. And that's where we got our band name, and that's where all the the symbols for the record came from, and like the name of the symbols, not the track titles proper. Initially, they were going to be just these symbol names, but we decided to take it easy on the DJs <laughs> that were going to be playing the music. The 
way we did the lyrics for this record was Ola would grab like a copy of The Stand or uh, some little novel by uh, Alan Watts or something, and she would start mumbling words out of that. Right. And I'd go in the other room and I'd just listen and write down what I heard, and then we'd pick whatever sounded cool or made sense. And then it actually ended up having a lot of uh, subconscious meaning. And I kept hearing things that I was thinking about, I guess, or something, so. That is an amazing process, because sometimes there's a song playing in the back. It could be like a song I can't stand, it could be whatever song. But if you right. like muffle your ears or something, mm -hmm. you hear like a totally different melody or, or chords and stuff. And, and it sounds like such an incredible song, but it's not the song that is actually playing. You could probably do a whole album like that. Yeah, oh, totally, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big thing for us is doing those kinds of things so that we don't have to feel responsible for what we're writing or performing. And then later we can go, yeah, yeah, we did do that, I guess, so we can take credit for it. But if it sucks or something, I guess it's kind of a safety blanket. Right, right. It's not like that um, Phil Collins thing, you know. Sure. Hit yeah. me in the shower. It was hit me when I was, and I woke up and I wrote it, da-da-da. Su-su-su-su-studio. Yeah, no. It means nothing. Yeah, none of that. Yeah, none of that for us. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you guys sound totally cool, man, and, and oh, you nice. sound totally creative, man. And like I said, I love Seattle, man. The music scene and all of that. You guys just a creative period, and and your band, man. I'm I'm gonna say you're gonna be one of those that influenced the mainstream, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's a totally acceptable path. You suck until greatness, man. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, suck until greatness. Make it all that, yeah. Yeah, that's how I am, man. I suck until yeah. greatness, man. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. With that. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we we haven't asked Ola. Is she okay with that, or is she just backseat driver again? I'm along for the ride. <laughs> I'm in it. <laughs> ride or die. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Congratulations to both of you, and um, I hope everything works out for you. And I hope you guys keep following your dreams, and I hope your dreams turn out to come true. Thank you. And for anyone out there, go to. Go to kickstarter.com and type in. Now, it's not Cox Swan, right? Because it's, it's something no. else. What's, the, what's your Kickstarter? The name of the project is Release Secret Angles on Vinyl. It's for your band, Cox Swan, out of Seattle. Yeah, it's under Cock and Swan. Crazy name. <laughs> Johnny and Ola, thanks for, man, giving me a chance to talk to you guys and, and, and just peer into your world, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for doing this with us. Bye, Ola. Bye. <laughs> the galaxy is on the pinnacle of prosperity. But the tide is turning as more and more empires grow hungry for new territories. Alliances become hollow, diplomatic endeavors become sabotage, and war machines become essential. How's it going, Emil? Hi. <laughs> DJ well, Grandpa here. So, how are you today? Everything's horrible, man, after watching your trailer on Kickstarter, man. Whomever's doing that guau voice on there scared me into backing you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's my wife. Oh my gosh, that is one <laughs> creepy trailer. Is she an actress? Uh, no, no, we, we just did a, um, a bit of um, voice changing. How do you pronounce the name of your gaming company? 
Sun Tzu Games. Sun Tzu Games. Okay. Yeah. Sun Tzu it's Games. the the old legend, the Sun Tzu from you know one of the Chinese battle minds, you know, who made the Arts of War. I've seen the movie. I work in Denmark. Right. I have an associate in London who can take care of you know the Kickstarter aspects of it. So I work in the Danish army in in Denmark. You're in the army for real? Yeah, yeah. I'm a lieutenant in the army. So tell me about this whole Danish army connection. I've lived and grown up in in Denmark. I've been an entrepreneur for some time. After I, I was done with my education, uh, I'm a new media designer. Right. But then we hit the 2008 crisis where everything kind of just went down the drain. Yeah. Yeah. Then then I looked for something else that also had to do with leadership. And then I, I found this education in the army where I could do some officer things, and then I could be promoted to lieutenant within uh, some years. So that that seemed like a, a nice opportunity to get some hands on on the leadership aspects. I live in Germany right now, right? So I can be together with my wife, who is from uh, Belarus. Yeah, white Russia. So uh, wow, so wow, you're all over the place, dude. <laughs> completely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You got the Asian moniker for the games. You got the Denmark <laughs> military training school. You got the wife Belarus. I mean, you yeah. had the London connection. What don't you have, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've also been working in in United States. Uh, <laughs> time, so I've, I've been I've been around. <laughs> I, I don't really want to be bound into some place. You know, it's, right. it's so wonderful to be able to just travel and explore. You know you're starting to sound like a Kickstarter story again. You know, like part of your company is here, part of your life is there, part of your company is over there, part of your life is in another corner. Yeah. It's like these decentralized companies, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because since 2008, the world kind of works in a different way. And so you have to make different choices to, to be able to survive. And yeah. you're obviously doing that with all the nooks and crannies you got people stashed all over the place man you really have to think in a different way these days because either you can be a local company or you can be a global company and depending on what you want to do it's very much the thing that will determine how you need to get your funding or how you need to make an everyday living you know do you want to just chew the fat or do you want to talk about your game a little bit Basically, I wanted this game, Burning Suns, to be a combination of several things. Like the feeling you get from watching a movie like Star Wars and all this, the universe around it that really compels you and gets you into this epic uh, mode. Right. And then combine it with something which is very tactical, interesting. Like I also say in my video, when you play a game of Starcraft or play some civilization or something like that, I want to combine these things into into something that is um, that can be handled within a couple of hours, you know, like like Star Wars. It doesn't take three or four hours to tell a cool story. It can be right. done in two hours. Right. So that's my point with the game. And the game has many many new or like refined mechanics right. that uh, makes it interesting all the way and and makes the interaction between the players. Uh, very tactical interesting because every move matters without it being detrimental to you making a, a bad move but it matters it still matters uh, in the way that you you play against your opponents has your military training played any into this now i know that's a predictable question but i have to ask it i wasn't even 
completely sure how deep the tactical aspects of Burning Suns would be right. until I tried it. And and that's that's also the one of the things about plants in the army is that they only oh, yeah. they only plants until you meet the enemy and then suddenly <laughs> you have to act out and you have to do different things, you know. You can only do a planning for so long and then when the first shot is fired, then you have to do something else. The best made plans, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's also how I wanted the game to be. Like, you can only plan this far ahead, and then from there on, you really have to uh, engage with things happening around you. Oh, I wanted to say that the graphics are totally incredible in it, man. A lot of you, you put a lot of money into the, the graphic content of this mm -hmm. game for, yeah. you know, for the trailer and stuff. It's way cool, man. That's been a very, very important thing. You know, if you have to convince people that this is a living and breathing world, you really have to make an effort uh, art-wise, you know. Now, since you're in the military and you're doing a war game and you love the strategy, are you a violent person? <laughs> no. <laughs> My friends would probably say I'm the most civil military man they've ever met. <laughs> uh, you're not a warmonger at all? <laughs> no. No, not at all. Well, when it comes to computer games, I love it. I love war. But whenever, you know, <laughs> it comes to real life, violence right. and war is always a, a second thing, you know. It must never be the primary thing. I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Is there anything that I may have uh, not given you a chance to say that you might want to get out there about your game and your whole um, company? That's a big question. Um, <laughs> there are many the million-dollar question? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one thing is that even though the game seemed like it's just a thing I'm, I'm doing the uh, Kickstarter for the funding, I'm also doing it for the crowd. I mean, I want some people to playtest this even more. I've been playtesting maybe like hundreds uh, of games, but there are so many combinations and so many options in this game that I would never be able to fully playtest it myself. That's just not possible no matter how you put it. That all sounds pretty cool, man. You've been a totally pleasant person to talk to, even though you're a, even though you're a warmonger and all, man. <laughs> yeah. It's totally pleasant. We didn't have to throw down the gauntlet, you know, choose sides and all. No, no, Denmark is way too small to invade anything, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it put that way, but now I understand. <laughs> now I understand. And for anyone out there who knew that Denmark was too small to invade another country, or maybe if you didn't and you just found that out, go to kickstarter.com and check out Burning Suns. Cool title and a very good trailer, but I'm going to tell you, it is very spooky at the beginning. His wife does an excellent job of voice. She needs more voiceover work, by the way, and she needs to be nominated for a Kickstarter video voiceover award. That's all I really have to say. And if you can't find it there, go to djgrandpa.com and we'll post links for Emil's project. Dude, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, DJ Grandpa here. LA, LA, big city of dreams. I'm speaking with Brian Ott, the writer and director of a new USC film thesis project. That's a lot to say, but... And it is called The Night Guardian. It's a superhero story. 
Everybody who listens to this show knows I'm a sucker for superheroes because I don't have the imagination to think of superheroes on my own. So I am amazed at people who can keep coming up with these, you know, crazy ideas, basically. Brian, welcome to this show. Oh, it's good to be here. All right. Now, you're a graduate student filmmaker. Yes. Wow. Part of the new breed. Part of the new style. (laughs) Yes, I'd say so. All right. Well, tell me about The Night Guardian. This is my thesis project at USC, and um, The Night Guardian started as a script I had written here at school, and it's gone through different iterations, and what I finally came to was I took a couple different stories from uh, my youth with my uh, grandpa who had passed away and my last time spending time with him, and I came to the story of an old man who trying to reach out to his family and he finds the only way to connect with his family is by telling him the superhero story. So I came to this with just the ideas of what's another way to look at a superhero story? You know, they're always there in comics. We see them. But what if it was coming as a story? And, you know, we always have grandparents or our parents are always telling us these stories. And as kids, we put them into imagination. Sometimes these stories are super exaggerated. Sometimes, uh, you know, they're out of this world. Grandpas but... don't exaggerate. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. But, 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 but um, keep going with the story, though. But, you know, uh, as a kid, I would sit there and listen to all these awesome stories my grandfather would say and would tell me. And I think there's just something so magical about that connection that right. grandparents have with their grandkids. And I had a special, really special connection with my grandpa. And uh, as... I was a young kid when he um, was diagnosed with throat cancer and kind of debilitated him and he would still always trying to find a way to talk to me or like write me a note or tell me a story with like whatever little energy he could possibly do. And I always wanted to translate that into a movie. And I grew up as someone absolutely adoring and loving superheroes and comic books. And I kind of somehow just clicked like, I'm going to, and Do a story of a grandpa telling telling a grandkid about a superhero story. I believe in the trailer you say this is a superhero from 1973. Yeah, well, it's 1979, but the movie takes place in two worlds, more or less. Kind of this present day where the grandpa is telling the story to the grandson. And then we have this parallel uh, superhero worlds, which is 1979 New York. Some things are off because it's come from the kid's imagination. So right. it's how a... Uh, an eight-year-old would think of 1979 New York City to look like. We're talking about grandparents and we're talking about children. Mm-hmm. But when people think of uh, superhero stuff, it's not boring though, right? It's not boring. I mean, like there's plenty of action. There's plenty of, you know, superhero-ness stuff going on and, you know, clashes with um, with evil and good against evil, all of that sort of superhero type of stuff. The Night Guardian, as a superhero is named, he's on a quest to stop a supervillain named Carter Black. And uh, Carter Black is out to basically drain and steal all of the city's power and something he's calling the blackout. So we have this theme going on through the movie that the blackout is coming. Hold up. That's real though, right? Didn't New York go through a blackout? It did. Oh, man. (laughs) You're almost stealing one of my movie ideas, man. No, no, no. Serious. I want to do that as a movie, man. I mean, MTV Um, calls it the coolest year in hell. (laughs) Well... We're not going to show the blackout as much, and we'll talk about it. So it'll just be an aspect, and you can you okay. can still do that movie. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. All right. Go ahead. But um, the Night Guardian's on a quest to stop this, and he doesn't have uh, superpowers. He doesn't fly. He doesn't have heat vision. But he's more of a um, like a Batman type, where he has a lot of really cool gadgets, and he 
he can fight really well and he can handle himself uh, in a brawl against others. So oh, that's cool, man. You know, g- given budgets uh, and all that stuff, we're trying to make this as okay. We're trying to stretch it as far as we can. It's not a cartoon, but it has like real people and stuff in it. So yeah, it is live action, and I thought it'd be the best way to utilize our production value and everything would be that he was really just a. Um, a vigilante crime fighter. Is he a torn character like so many superheroes seem to be this day and time? Like they're, they're not good, they're not bad, you know, they're kind of in between, wishy-washy. Carter Black seems to have the police and everyone in his back pocket. So uh, the Night Guardian needs to go above and beyond what police can do in order to stop him. We have some twists and turns along the way without revealing too much before you see it that He becomes a very, very conflicted character, but maybe not necessarily on issues of like morality, but maybe on what you have to sacrifice to be a superhero. How has your Kickstarter experience been? Because we're not just talking about a student film, we're talking about a crowdfunding venture. I wish we had more money at this point. It's one of those, it's very, it's nerve wracking in that sense, but you know, we've had good support. I'm trying to make sure that people outside of my circle are able to view the movie and want to be a part of it. And that hasn't happened as much as I'd like to at this point. Right. You haven't had the whole viral wave yet. It hasn't hit yet. Right. I got you. Okay, Brian, I'm touched by the grandpa part. I may say I'm partial. I guess I could say that. (laughs) And I wish you the best on your project, The Night Guardian. Anyone who's interested, I already told you the title. Go to kickstarter.com. Type it in. You'll see all these cool graphics with, you know, a superhero-ish person in a cape and, you know, looking kind of dashing. Check out the rewards and see how you like it. If you can't find it there, if you can't read the small print, if you ever get lost, go to djgrandpa.com and we'll provide links. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. DJ Grandpa, thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertram Zeke, and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's crib all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus. Thank you.